0: Welcome to God is Open, I'm your host Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we are going to be taking a look at this open theism debate between Will Duffy and Jay Cox. Uh, the debate itself seemed to me to be a train wreck, and so... Um, we're not going to review the whole thing, but I do think C.J. made a decent objection in his original cross-examination. And basically the question comes down to this, where are all the open theists within history? If the Bible is so straightforward that uh, it just you could just read it and understand what it says, why aren't there more open theists if this is the natural reading of the Bible? We'll, we'll pull that up and we'll take a look at uh, his cross-examination. And he can make the point.
1: Um, So my first question, uh, you had started off by saying you thought that this was incredibly clear cut. Um, Now, we don't see any references that I'm aware of to any open theist Bible believers until at least the fourth century. And it hasn't been really well developed until about the 1980s. So my question is, if it's clear cut, Do you have any references from, say, the Talmud or anti-Nicene fathers or Second Temple literature uh, of anybody who was understanding this in the same way that you do? Well, since the topic of the debate is whether or not Scripture teaches, whether or not God changes his mind, I have only Scripture references.
0: So what Will Duffy does, and it's a good strategy for this debate, Will Duffy has... His forte, we'll say, is is in the Bible and not in historical texts. And not in the, the the Nicene Fathers or not in the, the Platonists, the Neoplatonists of Alexandria, anything like that. Um, so he, he's good for the sake of the debate to refocus to the Bible. This is a debate about the Bible. But C.J. still does have a point. So if this is a, uh, a entire discussion debate about does the scripture teach this, C.J. does have a point to say, if there's thousands of years of history, why aren't more people open theists? Where do we find these open theists if this is a straightforward reading? Because presumably, behind that question is the idea that people read the Bible, they care what the Bible says, and they try to internalize the Bible. And so if that's the case, and if open theism is straightforward, we should see more
1: open theists. And I would argue that Moses and David and Peter were all open theists. Right. I understand that. But if it was clear cut, like if the Bible was, for example, if I gave you an algebra text, right, the algebra text was clear and it was very plain. uh, You would expect that the people reading the algebra text, at least one of them, if it was indeed clear and plain, would get the teaching that I'm putting forward. Right. So. The reason that I'm saying that I'm giving this question is because you're saying this is clear. It's something that shouldn't really be up for dispute. And yet it's a very, very, very small and recent number of people who actually are coming to your conclusion. So just again, to reiterate, do you see anybody from the original cultural context who is attached to the apostles or who is near the apostles in time
0: Adam writes, you're going to make us choose between your cringe cast and the after show linked in the debate. I don't know who's in the after show. And so I kind of skipped out and then they skipped my question. So that kind of like threw me off the debate. So, but this is not a cringe cast. This is a legitimate question from CJ. CJ is wondering if the Bible clearly teaches open theism, we should expect to see within thousands of years of history, more open theists. So why is it that we don't? Presumably, people care about the Bible. Presumably, people want to believe what the Bible says. And so we should see some more open theist examples within history. And so the answer to that, Will Duffy doesn't give an answer. Um, This is a debate about the Bible. Will Duffy's not debating about history. I don't know if he has an answer. But there there are all sorts of answers to that. You have to look at uh, the theological landscape of what it looked like within the first three centuries AD, for example, if we want to take a small snapshot, uh, who's writing the books? Uh, who, who's who's guiding the debate? Uh, who, who's controlling the mainstream thoughts? We're not getting interviews with peasants. That's not what's flowing down to us. We're not getting Justin Martyr writing about, hey, I just talked to this random guy who uh, had n- no theological inkling and just was a normal dude. The closest we might get to that is Josephus, who appears in every respect to be an open theist with a strong emphasis on God's guiding hand in history. And then you get individuals like Clement of Rome, not of Alexandria. Clement of Alexandria was a, different, a definite Platonist. He's coming from a Platonistic tradition. But Clement of Rome, when he's writing, I'll, I'll have to pull up the quote, but... Uh, how, does, how do these people, these early Christians, how do they describe God's knowledge? Remember, open theism is the idea that the classical attributes are false, that God can acquire knowledge, that God could think new thoughts, that God acquires knowledge from outside himself, that God has internal deliberations, that it's just not this timeless, eternal set of knowledge. And so like, for example, when we're reading Hebrews and it says that God watches the world, that's an open theist text. The idea there is that God is actively monitoring and receiving information from outside of himself which he's processing and we see that in not only Clement of Rome but also in uh I think it's uh, I think it's Polycarp. Let's pull, let's pull it up real quick. But so we we do see some early examples of open theist texts, but you're not going to expect them to be very very thoroughly in the literature because the literature that's coming down to us is coming from the intellectual elites who most definitely are not affirming the same type of Christianity as the masses. Remember, we, we have that clip on Augustine uh, where the scholars talking about Augustine. Augustine was not yet 30 years old and had never before encountered the idea that God was incorporeal. Right, It wasn't until he was exposed to Platonism, which he started conceiving God as incorporeal. This, this is who we're dealing with. This is what the broad culture looks like, where, where the early debates between the Christians and the Jews, does God have a body? There, there are riots where Christians are throwing out uh, their pastors. They're, they're going to these big cities where people, where, where Christian pastors are teaching God is incorporeal. And throwing them out of office and forcing them to recant—these are the debates. And so it's, it's it's not like it's not like these guys had this pure uh, theology of pure being um, or anything like that. That it, it's hard to conceive of a situation in which people, the common people, believe that God is corporeal. That they also attribute to him this timeless, platonistic uh, foreknowledge of all events. That's ungenerated eternal and non-discursive that's that's just too much for me so let's let's look up clement's quote real quick and i'll just go to god is open uh clement likely an open theist uh i think i just have to put likely in and it should oh there it is clement likely an open theist so we look at what clement says this is how clement describes god's uh, knowledge who shall say unto him what has you, you, what hast thou done? Who shall resist the might of his strength? When he listens, as he listens, uh, he will do all things, and nothing shall pass away of those things that he has decreed. That's, that's pretty common. God's going to do the things that he says he's going to do. All things are in his sight, and nothing escapes his counsel. Oh, God has counsel. God has discursive thinking. Uh, God watches and considers things. This, this is the knowledge that Clement is describing. Seeing that the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork, day uttereth word unto day, and night proclaimeth knowledge unto night, and there are neither words nor speeches whose voices are not heard. Since therefore all things are seen and heard, let us fear him and forsake the abominable lusts of evil works, that we, we may be shielded by his mercy from the coming judgments. For where can any of us escape from his strong hand? And what world would receive any of them that desert from his service? So notice this type of knowledge that's being described here. It's it's the knowledge you find throughout the Bible that God is watching the world, acquiring information and considering things in the moment. In this debate, actually, that might be one point that Will Duffy might have dropped. Um, and Jeremiah eighteen was thoroughly discussed in it in in this debate, but Jeremiah eighteen. Uh, specifically describes situations in which God is watching the world seeing unfolding events and then changing his mind based on those unfolding events and this is God telling everyone else uh, everyone in Israel all, all Yahweh worshipers yeah sometimes when I see things unfolding differently than I had planned I'm gonna change my mind and not do that thing and then adapt to the circumstances this is not God saying I'm going to use uh, our CJ friend. He thinks that God lies to people to manipulate them into action. It's nothing like that. It's not even God saying all prophecies are conditional. And therefore, if things happen, I have considered those things are going to happen. And I've prepared alternatives. That's nothing like that. It's God is watching unfolding events. The events don't turn out as God thought they were going to do. And then god will both not do what god said he is going to do or god's not going to do what he thought he was going to do uh jeremiah 18 uses both words and the hebrew concept when they kind of use uh, words in close symmetry like that is that it, it it covers the gamut of uh the range of meaning it, it fully describes that this was god's intent his consideration he really was going to do that, and then he changed based on unfolding circumstances. That's what Clement's describing here, and we can pull up Polycarp, polycarp quotes as well. I'm gonna—I got a crying baby apparently, I, I, just to see uh, CJ's uh, crying dog on the debate. But um, <laughs> Origin, let's see. Origin is his uh, commentary on the Epistles to the Romans. So I think I covered Origin at uh, some point uh, Origen's definitely not an open theist he has Platonistic leanings and so i would not i would not be citing origen as as an open theist even though origen says that god knows things not be, because they're going or not because uh, he knows they're going to come past because he knows what we're going to choose something like that is one of his quotes let's pull up polycarp and uh, look at some polycarp quotes as well Oh, how about this, Polycarp, Polycarp 4.3. Our widows must be sober-minded, as touching the faith of the Lord, making intercession without ceasing for all men, abstaining from calumny, evil speaking, false witness, love of money, and every evil thing, knowing that they are God's altar, and all the sacrifices are carefully inspected, and nothing escapes him, either of their thoughts or intents, or any of the secret things of the heart. God's carefully inspecting these widows in real time. And here's 6-2. If, we, if then we re- entreat the Lord that he would forgive us, we also ought to forgive. For we, uh, for we are before the eyes of the Lord and God, and we must stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and each man must give account of himself. We're before God's eyes. This is a reoccurring image within the Bible, that God's eyes are on the ways of man, good and bad. How about 7-2? Wherefore, let us forsake the vain doing of many and their false teachings and turn unto the word which was delivered unto us from the beginning, being sober unto prayer and constant in fastings, entreating the all-seeing God with supplications, that he bring us not into temptation, according to, as the Lord has said, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. All-seeing. God is acquiring knowledge. God is watching the world. And so... That's, that's the idea we get in the earliest teachings. These people are coming straight from the apostles, the disciples. Justin Martyr doesn't come straight from the apostles and disciples. He comes out of a Platonistic tradition. He's in a Hellenized Greek world. And so you'll see him praising Platonists. So th- these guys were the best around, these Platonists. And then he'll he'll criticize the Jews for having a corporeal sense of God. And uh, he'll champion these values, these Platonistic values. Then you turn to Alexandria, and if you pull up the book, The Christian Platonists of Alexandria, all these heavy hitters in Alexandria, they're all Neoplatonists. But if you look what they say about the common people, the common people aren't these Neoplatonists. And so th- this is this is what we see throughout history, is that the common people are not holding the same views about God as the elites, the people writing books. Now, we only have a selective... A bunch of books that have come down to us today. It's very fortuitous that we got uh, the Nag Hammadi Library, the Gnostic texts, which were, were which were uh, collected and put in a tomb with uh, what looked like a pious monk who loved the Gnosticism or something like that. We're very luck- lucky to have these texts because not all texts survive. You know, what texts do survive? The texts that the elites champion. That's why we have Origins library. Origin widely widely preserved for us Philo of Alexandria's works because he really loved Philo of Alexandria's works and so he's the reason that we have Philo's works today because he collected them in his library which uh, which eventually got down to us and so the process of history is who writes the history it's the winners of history the elites in history the people who take over they rewrite history change things I have I was reading about the vandals today uh, Vandals were a group of Arians, uh, not uh, not Arian as in white, but Aryan as in rejecting the divinity of Jesus. Well, they were white, too. They're like German. Um, but they swept through North Africa and eventually took over Rome. And uh, they said their dictates were from God and they're exacting vengeance against the non-Arians for all, all the centuries of persecution against the Arians that the non-Arians were doing but even that history is pretty fragmented oh we the accounts are coming like hundreds of years later by authors who are uh, fragmentary and hostile you have caricatures of their leaders uh geyseric which are not that which probably a caricature and not an actual physical description of the guy that he's that he's like a little chubby and walking with a limp things like that but our history is fragmented and what comes down to us is is uh, very, uh, I'd say I'd say random. But uh, John Calvin complains about the uh, the open theist in his day, and so you you could kind of see this is a layman belief that the laymen inherently and intuitively believe that the elites do not like open theists. I gotta type this in, pull this quote up. All right, let's see what the comments say. Labels. This. Notice that Paul tormented his body and subjected it to servitude because he feared that after preaching to others, he himself might uh, perhaps become retrobate. reprobate. Yes. All right. So John Calvin opened this. Mm. Apparently, I didn't label this one too well. Maybe it'll be on Facebook. I'm sorry. I should have pulled that up a lot sooner. But uh, in in his work, he talks about people who don't believe that God has eternal knowledge of all things and that God is actually reacting to things in the present. That... uh, that God sees and then calculates and responds accordingly. And so it's, it's like these people are out there. They're just the laymen. Oh, here, here we go. Uh, John Calvin institutes book one, chapter seven, Seven Twelve. I, I don't got the quote. I just got the reference. Oh, why did I do that to myself? Okay. I don't have the quote. Okay, I don't have the quote, but it exists. It's there. So I guess my response to CJ is that you don't see open theists because, number one, they were the laymen. They're not the scholars. The scholars had scholarly concerns. And what's vogue in those days? Platonism is vogue. Everyone loves Platonism. Everyone goes to the lectures of Plotinus. Everyone. Champions it. you hear praises of Platonism coming from Augustine from Ambrose. You see Justin Martyr uh, Praising it you see positive descriptions of Plato well into even even Dante gives a positive description of Plato In his inferno they, they considered him kind of like a pre-christian even modern Christians do that. It's kind of weird, but <clears throat> I Got a cough. Let's let's hit play here. And then I could cough in
1: silence you would understand the original languages and was indeed speaking at that time, any of them at all, who comes to the conclusion that you would. I'm not saying this is definitively proving my point. I just think it's a very important thing if we're going to go as far as to claim this is... So he's, he's
0: right there. Um, why is there a lack of open theists throughout history? They're, they're, they're not writing works that are being preserved. They're not the elite. Uh, they're, they're the peasants, the farmers. They're the people who revolt against the elite and go throw them out of office. When those elites say things like god is incorporeal and uh i don't got that reference offhand of too i should have pulled all these references before we started but that that would be the answer uh and then what happens who's teaching the the catholic church is taken over by the popes and the the entire bureaucracy machine and they can teach whatever they want you have a protestant ref, reformation which breaks from the catholic church there is a break there why Protestants will claim that the church has been corrupted throughout history. And so that's, that's the open theist claim as well, that there, there was some church corruption throughout history. These, these non-Christian ideas got into the church, and now we need a new reformation. The reformation was just not John Calvin and Martin Luther. We could still have a reformation today to bring us back to those biblical truths. And so it, it's almost a double standard sometimes when Protestants complain about open theism being new, and they themselves are Protestants. So I think that's all I wanted to talk about. Uh, um, He does have a good point, and there are reasons that we don't see too many open theists in history. They're the common people. There's letters to the editor. We got old ones saying, hey, what if God doesn't know the future? That would answer this pastor's objections. These these people are the laymen. Anyways, uh, thanks for watching, Uh, I gotta go.